Hey everybody, welcome to Beyond the Pew. Welcome, welcome. Special Pastor, guest today. Pastor Eric Gill with us. Mm-hmm. Special guest today with Special us. Special guest all the way from New York, Stroon Lake. New York. Stroon yeah. Lake, New York. Yeah, Tommy Sewell. Tommy, who are you? Oh, uh, man. Well, uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm your friend. <laughs> That's right. And uh, and your friend as well. Even Indeed, we just, we just uh, became yeah, great friends. Yes, yeah. yes. Any friend of Eric is a friend of mine. Wow. Wonderful. Yeah, so it's uh, kind of like the friend of my friend. Yes. It's my friend. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So That's I am uh, I'm the director of the youth camps for Word of Life in New York. So the island, uh, the ridge, which is our middle school camp, and the ranch for uh, elementary age, and then mm-hmm. snow camp in the winter. Hmm. And That's maybe right. there's some of you parents watching or listening. Tom is the director of the camps that we take our students to, uh, both in February and also in the summer. So yeah, that's the connection. And fun fact, he was my old boss. Okay, before Mary. Very good. So, Very good. Back yeah. in the days, um, Tommy, we might have talked. Did you wait? Did you? Yes, we did talk. We did talk because I gave a reference. Yes, for Eric. you did. Wow. Yes, so you are did. you the reason so, why I'm here? So I, we did talk. I don't know. <laughs> It, it was a good enough reference that <laughs> that we we still no called flags, you. Yeah. We still called you. And no here, and here you are. That's and awesome. here we are. Uh, Tommy, how long have you been doing what you've been doing at Word of Life? Uh, so I've been working in camp for uh, ten years. Okay. And I've been the director of the island for six of those years. Okay. Mm. Yep. And then, how many campers you guys have in a given year? Uh, that's a great question. You know, obviously we're coming back, uh, from, uh, from code, COVID, we were yeah. shut down for a year and then we ran kind of a hybrid for a year. But, um, for us annually, we're between six and 6,000 and 6,500 wow. campers wow. across those four camps that I wow. mentioned. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of kids, yeah. a lot wow. of campers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's quite a big, that's and the, the age range are, you will say 10 to 18. Oh, well, yeah, we go by grade. Okay. Um, so we would say like. We, we talk about the grade that you're going into uh, for the summer. So first, going into first grade through uh, just graduated. Just graduated. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. wide range. Which is why we thought it would be great as we're doing our parenting series to invite Tommy in the podcast. Yes. Tommy is, I would say, an expert on Generation C, which is the generation of all the kids that we have here. Yeah. So Gen Z. So we're, Gen Z. We're going to get to a couple questions in just a, yeah. a few minutes. Um, we kind of... First, spend some time on some questions that have been submitted or that have been provided to us uh, just to kind of tackle. And so um, we'll get to a couple questions specifically about parenting and Gen Z in just a few minutes here. But Eric, do you know what episode this is by chance? Absolutely. This is episode 26. 26. Are you very confident? I am very confident. Okay. All right. I don't know if it is or not, but um, and then just just so everybody knows who I'm watching, uh, we typically give a, a number... You got the episode number on the <laughs> Fantastic. Um, number, Eric. If someone's going to text in and they want to text in if they have questions, what is that number? That is uh, 330-331-6453. You got 10, what, 11 episodes left? 11 episodes 11 left. Episodes so I'm almost there. I, I'm halfway through. All right, halfway we'll there. get there. We'll get there. So, um, Tommy, do you know it? Uh, no, no. <laughs> but I would bet you would know it next week. Tom. I will. Yeah. I, yeah. If he yeah. works back next week, he'll know. Uh-huh. It. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So just a couple questions that we're going to get into. I get to ask these questions today because last week you asked these questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and either one of you guys can chime in on this as far as if you have some thoughts about this. Some good questions here. One of the questions that I think is appropriate to ask even um, Tommy specifically with you here because of you working with a lot of teenagers, students, 
Um, and that can be a very pivotal age where it's difficult to share your faith because of pressures and things. But the question that was here is, what do you see as the biggest obstacle to people sharing their faith? And so maybe we can talk about yeah. in general, you know, and then also maybe more specific to students mm-hmm. as yeah. far as obstacles yeah. to mm-hmm. sharing their faith. Yeah. I, I think that like to be a specific, it will differ from one person to the other. As in like, I don't think that we can go and say, this is the biggest one for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think that you may have some that their biggest deterrent of sharing their faith is the fear of people, the fear of men. Yeah. You know, they may be afraid. Well, how will they be received? They may be afraid of like, what if they ask a question that I don't know the answer to? Sure. Uh, maybe they don't feel like they're capable of sharing their faith because they don't have the training or knowledge or fill in the blank. It may be, the other one may be that they may say, well, I'm not a very outgoing individual. I'm not very, like, good with talking, kind of like Moses, you know? Like, I'm not good at conversation, so maybe someone else should do that. Yeah. It may be that they they themselves don't see the value of sharing their faith, sure. you know? So I feel like there's a lot of different reasons as to why people are not sharing their faith. To pinpoint into one, I think it's difficult, because I will say it's, like, based on the individuals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, tell me, what would you say specifically even with students? Yeah, well, this is something that we spend a lot of time thinking about at camp. Um, and one of the things we want to do is is really motivate campers to share their faith. Mm-hmm. And we kind of have, we, we've kind of narrowed it down to say there's really two obstacles to students being excited to share their faith. The first is they just, uh, they don't have really the burden for it. They're maybe af- afraid of the rejection, um, you know, they they haven't really developed this theology of like other people need to hear about Jesus. Yeah. And then the other one is they, they would say like, maybe they do feel that way, but their, their excuse is, well, I just, I don't know what to say. Mm. I'm not yeah. sure how to mm-hmm. explain the gospel. And so those are kind of the two things we focus at. It's like, we want to give students a vision for their role. We say to students at camp, you are God's plan to reach your friends. Mm. Cause I think sometimes we a student would sit there and think like, oh, if only my friends could come here or if my friends could only hear this message. And, mm-hmm. and we want them to understand yeah. like, no, you are, the, you are the message to your friends. Sure. Like that's the mission field that God's given you. Mm-hmm. And then to the other side where they say, well, I don't know what to say. We, we try to teach them some simple things. Uh, we, we do a lot with Dare to Share, which is a ministry that is all about equipping students to share their faith. And so we point them to some of their resources to try to eliminate kind of those two big hurdles that we see a lot. Sure. And that's, what's interesting is everything that you guys just shared, that goes not only for like youth, students, that's the same case with adults. So oftentimes is these fears of the rejection of man, uh, the fear of not knowing how to answer questions Mm. when the questions are posed, fear of maybe messing up, like how they're supposed to share, like as though there's this, format that you have to utilize yeah. and, and all of that. I know for me, I, I feel like one of the things that it, it boils down to for me personally, I, I think sometimes is just a selfishness on my part. Yeah. Right. Uh, rather than truly seeing people through the lens of scripture, that they like need the, Christ, they're lost. Like that they're lost they and that they need, need Christ. Message. It, it's sometimes easier and more comfortable for me, right. To just not share because of what may come my way. And so a lot of times I think it goes back to a selfishness on our part that we care more about our own comforts or our own feelings or or desire to preserve self than we do about the individual that needs Christ Mm. and and needs to hear the gospel. Um, But these are helpful. I think that, you know, those are obstacles. Um, So this isn't a question on here, but I guess as a follow-up to that, 
how can we deal with those obstacles? Like, how yeah. can we eliminate some of those obstacles? Yeah, I think that part, I mean, it has to be, as believers, there has to be an understanding of in each of us of what it is, the message that we've been entrusted with. I mean, when yeah. Paul is writing in uh, Romans 1.16, you know, for I'm not ashamed of this message, for it's the power for salvation for anyone who believes, right? Yeah. That the recognition that this is a message that is so powerful, that has the ability to bring someone from dead to life is a message that needs to be shared. Sure. It's something that like, you know, f- whatever reasons that we have or that we think are justified as to why we're not sharing it, we need to get rid of those reasons, put ourselves aside and recognize the importance of that. Now, to be honest or to be, uh, I guess, uh, uh, to be transparent, it's easier said than done. Sure. So th- I think that there has to be a part of us where it's like, okay, let's, Let's be proactive. Let's find ways of actually doing this. Let's have accountability. Let's talk to other people. Let's make sure that we surround ourselves in an environment where those conversations can be naturally happen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's kind of like what I will say. Yeah, that's that. good. Yeah. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Tommy? You know, I um, one I I talk about this a lot with students. I can't remember the reference off the top of my head. Maybe you guys remember, but it's, there's a verse in, I think it's first Peter or second Peter where it says, um, Peter's saying, be ready to answer any question that's mm. asked of yeah. you. Um, and then he says, be ready to answer for the hope that is within you. And then to give a kind answer. And yeah. I think I always heard that verse talked about, you know, like be ready to share your testimony at any time. Yeah. Um, but I think the emphasis or, I don't know, it, like, I would, the emphasis I put on that verse is for the hope that is within you. So many students I know, the reason why uh, their evangelism efforts fall short is because they're not living with any hope. And so it's like, you're trying to tell me about something that I haven't seen make any difference for you. And so yeah. I would say to our students, like, first and foremost, yeah. uh, make sure that you are walking with Jesus and that hope that is in within you will naturally lead to people. I mean, that's what Peter's telling us is going to happen. If you live different, people yeah. will come up to you and say, help me understand why you're different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is, to me, the best opportunity to say, Jesus. It's sure. about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. to do that gently. Uh, so I think that's that's an interesting pattern for personal evangelism yeah. that maybe I don't hear talked about as much uh, yeah. in yeah. the conversation. That's yeah. great. Yeah, we're supposed to be ready to give a reason for the hope within us, mm-hmm. but give a, giving people a reason to ask about it, right? Yeah. So yeah. living in such a way as it gives them a reason to yeah. ask. I, I know, too, I think I would just add, having a proper view of God and proper view of ourselves mm-hmm. is essential when it mm-hmm. comes to evangelism, because... If we truly understand and have a proper view of God, that God is the one who saves, we are not. Mm-hmm. And that God's word is what transforms, not our words. Mm-hmm. But also the understanding that, you know, we can give this to God to do what he wants to do with it. So when we start to realize, like, we are not, I don't want to say this incorrectly, but as important as we think we are right. when it comes right. to evangelism, and that it's dependent on the Lord and not ourselves, yeah. there's much more boldness, I think, that yeah. comes with that. You know, Absolutely. And, and freedom. Yeah. Um, these are good. So, Eric, I got a serious question here. Um, <laughs> you, you've been you've been very serious this whole podcast. Is it because your former boss is here? I mean, yeah, you, I'm, I'm, you have I'm a tone. Like, I have, you have a, a nice tone. You have a tone right now. I'm like right surrounded by my like, two boss. I'm like, no, I got to like, be You're like acting like real professional. I, and, I, I am. Are, are, Tommy, are you like considering to be like a speaker or something soon? Because he's... 
He's like, like on hey, his good morning, everybody. Yeah, he's like all <laughs> he's, very, on his, he's on his best behavior. Very right? measured, yeah. very like Listen, serious. I am in the presence of two of my my old boss, my <laughs> okay, new boss. You okay. know, well, he's kinda, just a little bit I'm of a different. Literally calling the middle. It's a little different tone here. Wow, somebody um, text you in September. It's a fantastic tone. Somebody text that number. So three three one six six three nine four. That's good. Um, wonderful, wonderful. So, let me just uh, we'll get one more question, then we'll get to questions okay. about as far as with parenting and, and specifically Generation Z. Um, good question here. What are some practical ways to live a less selfish life? Practical ways to live a less selfish life. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's so much that they can do for my. Uh, you know, when I look at my own life, I think one thing that is big is just being observant, like being observant of your surrounding. Look at the people around you because it's easy to just go from one task to the other and, and, and do your day that way. Yeah. But I think that it's, it's important to just be observant. Look what's happening around you, and then when you see things that needs to be done, do them. Don't let other ones do them. Don't think that it's someone else's role. Like, if you can go out of your way and be nice to somebody, be nice to somebody. If you can, if you see a mess and you can clean that mess and help somebody else, that maybe that's their responsibility to clean, that can help. So yeah. be observant. I think for me, practically, that's one big one. So proactively looking for opportunities Opportunities, to serve. yeah. yeah. Okay. But I would say, again, key on there being observant. Because, like, yeah. we, if most people are just, like, you know, kind of like, Funnel vision, like you go and you do your things. Like, okay, I, I wake up, go to work, uh, go to go to work, go home, things like that. And like, and among and among those things, there may be opportunities that we often miss because we're not looking. Yeah. So no, looking for opportunities. Yeah. Tell yeah, I think for me, um, I even hesitate to say this because this, I feel like this answer is gonna make oh, me wow. sound more uh, like spiritual than I am, but. I think one of the practices that has really helped me in this area is in my prayer time every day, praying for other people, sure. praying for specific needs of other people. And I've, I've said before, I actually think that time spent in the morning in prayer for my friends, uh, one of which is Eric, and he knows I text him on a regular basis and, and let him know I'm praying for you. Maybe you should pray for Bruce now, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, my, the friend of my now. friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, no, I've said, I, I think that time spent praying for my friends is actually just about my own heart, just as much about my own heart as it is what is happening through prayer. It's it's kind of this like morning routine of taking the center, taking the center of attention off of me, what I feel like I want or I need or my, and, and like, going to God and saying, God, I'm praying for my friends. I'm praying for other people. Yeah. Um, and I, I hesitate to say that because like, I'm just going to say, I still struggle every morning with the discipline to take that time. Mm -hmm. Like I wrestle in my mind. It's like, I, there's, you know, but the mornings when I'm, when I take that time, I feel like it kind of just sets me off uh, on a different, a different track for the day. Yeah. yeah. That's good. I mean, it's, it's interesting because biblically speaking, this is not a difficult question to answer, right? I mean, Jesus was asked, what's the two great commandments? It's to yeah. love the Lord your God and love your neighbor, mm -hmm. right? So if we would just follow that, I think we would live a lot Done. more selfless lives. Yeah. But I, we live in a culture where the theme of the culture is love yourself, mm -hmm. right? The theme of the culture is self-love. Mm -hmm. And there's an element that, you know, God uses as an example in his word when he says that we're to esteem others better than ourselves and love others, but he said no one hates his own body or hates his own self. So it's almost a given, biblically, we should care for ourselves. Yeah. 
we should care for our well-being, mental health, physical health, all of that, spiritual health. But it's interesting because Jesus is so radical in what he calls the believer to of even loving their enemies, right? And he says, mm-hmm. if you only love those that love you, what good is that? If you only do good to those that do good to you, what good is that? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. even like the worst people do yeah, that, right? Lost people yeah. do that. So just following the commands, like when someone says, hey, how do I live a less selfish life? I, I think the starting point is obey the two great commandments, yeah. right? And do what God in, has called us to do in his word. And we'll begin to see that. But I love the idea of like the prayer for others and specifically even praying for God to, to bring opportunities where we can serve people. Yeah. Mm. Um, because we tend to have a mindset. I know myself, when I go throughout the day, I am thinking a lot of the day about what I need yeah. or what I want to get accomplished or what I want to do and not necessarily of what do others need and what does God want to accomplish through yeah. me today. So uh, I think these are all helpful. Yeah, and I, and I think like when you, and I think that looking at the example of Jesus, I mean – it goes without saying, but think about like what what he did. Like this is Jesus, the Son of God, yeah. God, part of the Trinity, right? Who descended from heaven, lived life in the way that we live, and he himself said, "I didn't come here to be served. Yep. I came here to serve to each serve. other." Yeah. He's getting on his knees, washing his disciples' feet. Sure. I mean, I ain't washing your feet, Bruce, or nobody else. Yeah. Like maybe Denny's, <laughs> but maybe, maybe, yeah. wow, yeah, just, maybe, you know, being transparent, you know. <laughs> but nonetheless, like that imagery of like a like yeah. like of you know living that out you know love mm-hmm. god mm-hmm. and love others you know mm-hmm. absolutely no so. these are good um there's others here but we want to move on um because tommy's here we want to talk about generation yeah. z a little bit z. and as we've been talking uh, in case uh, what's the breakdown maybe we should give up a breakdown of like the age group of what that would be for generation z yeah yeah i i don't even know no. so generation z as far as what would be considered yeah so w- let me i'm going to say one thing cuz eric was talking about earlier you know i'm really not a generational expert i am a student of the generations and i have worked very hard to read what the experts say and then hopefully transfer that around so yeah i've not done a lot of research myself you know i'm not i'm not writing or pr- producing anything on uh generation z but i have tried to read as you're much just as leading a camp for that generation yeah and i've and i but i try to <laughs> I just don't want to, you know, take credit for a lot of what I've learned. A lot of what I'll say is just what I've learned. It's yeah, not sure. me coming yeah. up with it. Gen Z, one of the things I've learned is the age range on generational science is not exact. And so you'll meet some people that will have it up to five years either way. Hmm. But I would say generally uh, it would be like people born between 1995 and 2012. So basically, you're looking at like 10 to mid 20s is who would be a part of Gen Z. What would be millennials? Do you know? Millennials would be, um, you know, so like late 20s, and I'm not sure the cutoff on the other side. Um, 40s, maybe maybe early 40s. Are you a millennial? Um, it's interesting because the depending on which data sources you seek out. Some would have me in a category, I was born in 81, of being like the beginning of a millennial generation, but then others would say it was not millennial. I'm trying to think of what the other one was. Gen so X? So Gen X is before, yeah. It would be right yeah. before that. Yeah. So it depends on So Yeah, so you're, you're uh, like a crossover then. So the same thing happens with um, millennials and Gen Z. Yeah. And so if you're like, um, if you're in those in-between years, like the first couple of years on either side, um, then you will have some of each. Absolutely. They call yeah. they call yeah. them so for a Gen Zer that was barely made the Gen Z cut. They'd call them a Zennial because senior. they're a Gen Zer, but they're bringing some millennial traits. That's, with that them. will be Jenny. Jenny was born in '95. Yeah. So 
a, a, what is it called? A zennial. A zennial. Zennial. Yeah. Can impress, impress yeah, because they're taking that, some of the. Yeah. But he's and, not an expert. He's so you would be student. you would be Gen <laughs> Z. I, no, I'm a millennial. A millennial. Yeah. Don't rub that from me. Uh, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Um, uh, so yeah. So with that in mind, mm-hmm. yep. W- you know, we obviously have parents who have sure. teenagers, students that fit into that category. Mm-hmm. If you were to, you know, talk to parents and say, "Hey, understanding your students, understanding what we've seen, this is where there's a tremendous need for this generation." Yeah. I, I, what yeah. would you say to them? Well, the first thing I would say to parents is, first of all, understand that this is a real thing. I've talked to a lot of people who some of them aren't even aware of uh like the different generational the fact that their generational science is a thing uh research supports that in different generations people think differently they view the world differently and so i would say like first of all understand that there's a big difference between how your students see the world than how you do and it is just by the nature of when they were born and how the world mm-hmm. was different when they were yeah. born. I, I hear people, it's actually interesting because the boomer joke that it's been so popular, uh, you know, in recent, you know, in the last year or so is I'm like so excited to hear that joke because I'm like, yes. And you know, boomers is, it's not just old people. Like there's mm-hmm. an actually, an, you know, an age range. It's like a great way to, I turn into a nerd very quickly, yeah, yeah. but I'm like, yeah, you know, that's a funny joke, but that's a real thing. There's yeah. a specific yeah. generation yeah. baby yeah, boomers yeah. that yeah. fit a certain yep, generation. Yep. Yeah, and well, they think differently. Yeah. Um, a lot of people will lump Gen X in with the boomer joke just because they think anybody over the age of 40, you know. Is, they're the same. Yeah. But. Well, think, think about, like, like the like the events that transpire historically between those generations. Like, I was born in 92, I, I was uh, 10 years, 9 years old when 9-11 happened. I yep. mean, yeah, nine, no, that great at math. But anyone born in the Generation Z for the most part, they're post-9-11. Mm-hmm. And, and then they're born in a world where, you know, the wars are happening. You think about school shooting. Sure. All those different things. Yeah. Like, it's a yeah. whole different world than the world I grew up. Well, and a lot of people would say the Great Depression, right, that yeah. the older generation had gone through and how they view – spending and how they view saving and how they mm-hmm. view you know all of that um with a particular lens that yeah. a current generation has no idea about yeah they can't even understand yeah, yeah. 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 so that's a it, it's a big thing and it's a real thing and this is kind of how i even stumbled into this because you know i work at camp and also work at the bible institute which is a college that we have there and i was in charge of planning all these activities and like for years there was stuff that we could do and it was just like we knew the campers and students were going to love it. And we were planning those same events and people weren't, the attendance was down and people didn't seem excited about what we were doing. And then other random kind of one-off things that we would plan would be huge. There was, and I remember just like, this is so strange. Like what's, I don't get this. You know, I just, I just would say that to myself. Like, I don't get this. And I stumbled across this article that was talking about Gen Z and everything I was reading was exactly what I was experiencing and so that article quoted this book and so i ordered the book right there and as soon as the book came i remember my my reading discipline is a chapter a night and so i remember like coming into work and being like guys you'll never believe what i read last (laughs) night like you know how we were talking about this like Mm -hmm. that's it's not just you know it's not just our students like that is how 
this generation thinks. What you know? was the name of the book? You remember? It's called iGen. The so I like gen. little i, like the iPhone and iPad. Mm. iGen. I capital G E N, and it has a very long subtitle. Um, and it is to this day, it is the most conclusive research uh, in a book on Gen Z. Although not written from a faith perspective contains explicit language i just always want to make sure i give that disclaimer <laughs> uh, um, but it is the book and it, you go read any other book on gen z and throughout that book they're quoting that mm. research so okay. um the book i always recommend um you know especially if a parent is reading this and or listening to this and going you know this this that's fascinating i'd love to learn more the book i recommend is called meet generation yeah. z by tim elmore say, yeah. yeah it's it's yeah. It reads the best. So many of these books that you get, there's so much information in graphs and like so much data in there. They're difficult to read, but that one reads the best and really great. And it's by a Christian author. Yes, yes. It has like an insight as far as like how you can deal with it with spiritual or or, or biblical truth, you know, together. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. definitely. Um, Talking more about Gen Z and kind of things that parents might be experiencing. Um, there's a lot of distinctives about the generation, um, that we could talk about. I think probably most relevant to parents of students, um, at church, I, I think comes back to worldview and I, there's not actually as much, um, you know, like data to support this, but this is more kind of a result of the reading I've done and the observations, um, just of, like you said, of running mm-hmm. a camp and dealing with students all the time. I really think so many of the issues that this generation are facing, are wrestling with, um, it comes back to worldview. Mm-hmm. And I think about the difference between you and me as millennials and Gen Z is I grew up in a home where the worldview that I was taught was controlled very well by my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I attended a Christian school. I went to church. My parents kind of helped formed that. And so I, I grew up with a biblical worldview. And for Gen Z, there's a lot of parents that have the same intention for their children mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and give the same effort my parents yeah. gave. The difference is now Gen Z, they're the first digitally native generation. They don't know a world without constant connectedness. Sure. Mm-hmm. You guys were talking about it last yeah. week. All those stats about how much time they spend yeah. on their phones. So I think the difference for this generation when it comes to worldview is, you know, my parents controlled, we'll say, 90% of the worldview influence that I had growing mm. up. And there was 10%, yeah. you know, like my parents let me watch one TV show a week, you know, and like, you know, like a very select amount of movies. No well, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon. No, 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 no. Oh, are you, you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, you're too, you're too old. Anyways. Go to Gen Z now. It's true. And they're all holding a portal mm-hmm. to the secular worldview. Yeah. And you guys were talking about those hours last week. Yeah. So now they're spending eight, 12 hours a day. And all that that does is tell you. You are the God of your yeah. universe. Yeah. What ma- what you want is the only thing that matters. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so now instead of it being, whatever I said, 90 to 10, it's, it's flipped. Yeah. Now parents in their best effort are contributing 10% of worldview. 
and their children are learning 90% of how they view the world from places that are promoting a secular worldview. And so I think even students that we have come in to yeah. study the Bible, I always say, like, if you were to say, raise your hand if you have a biblical worldview, probably most of them would raise your hand because that feels sure. like the right answer. Yeah. But yeah. if you could give them a test and you could, you know, like, make it yeah. – you could kind of test where they're at. Yeah. Most of them would actually come out the other side with a yeah. secular worldview of how they view themselves in light of the world because yeah. of the, just the level of influence they've yeah. had. Yeah, I mean, you 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 just thought of this on this past Sunday on the issue of like sexual identity. I mean, I have to be monitoring the things that my daughter's watching, even as a two year old, because there's some shows out there like Peg Peg uh, uh, what is Peg Peg a Pig or whatever the. Peppa Pig. Oh, you see, you, you you know that one. No, but Peppa Pig. Not because uh, I watch Peppa Pig. My daughter. No judgment. No judgment. Bluey is where I appreciate that. But anyways, uh, Peppa Pig like just came out. They have a, a character now that is uh, they're a lesbian couple. And this is a show that is designed for like tiny kids, like baby, like my daughter. Sure. She will watch that show. And so she grows up, see, to your point, she grows up seeing that as acceptable and so by the time she's 16 15 when she's like now having a worldview or, or, or a view or a worldview her it will be different to what we will say from the bible that she's been greatly influenced by the world around yeah and i think some of that feeds into the whole deconstructing christianity movement mm -hmm. that's prevalent right whatever you've been taught that the bible says or that god says isn't necessarily true and so we have to revisit all of these truths from scripture through the lens of our current yeah. culture mm -hmm. and basically deconstruct what we've always believed through the lens of what does my current culture tell me? Kind of like, like, thing. like Satan in the garden. Did God actually say this? Yeah. It's like, did the, does the Bible actually say this? Sure. Let's re-examine it and bring our thoughts and our opinions into this. Yeah. So with that in mind, then what, what would a recommendation be that you'd have for your parents as it relates to media usage? Yeah content screen time sure all that. yeah well I'll, I'll go <clears throat> maybe even a little broader than that first yeah. of all i'll say again i want to emphasize i'm not the expert on this but sean mcdowell is who i've probably learned the most about worldview from um and he's actually a great resource for students too like for students that have social media accounts sean has a tiktok that's really good uh, his youtube channel is very very good and so i would i would say to parents um watch a Sean McDowell YouTube video and then talk to your student about it. He and he emphasizes worldview as one of his like major and Who uh, is Sean McDowell? He's he's a, an apologist um and that's all I know about him. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Someone that you would say would be a great benefit to listen to as a parent. Yes. Yeah. 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 And or I, both parents and students. Yeah. And I think students will be interested in, you know, listening to him as well. So I that's who I read a book by him um I think it's called So the Next Generation Will Know or something like that, that was all about worldview and helping this next generation yeah, nice. um, have a biblical worldview. So I would say that's one thing. Is like he, he's a great, great resource on that. The second thing I would say, and I, I was telling our students this the other day, um, you know, when you're looking at, again, kind of that graph, so you're getting this like just onslaught of secular worldview poured into your brain every day. You got to counteract that. And so I'm not saying, okay, you can never watch a Netflix show again. You can never go watch a movie at the movies again because you're going to get a secular worldview. No, like you can go do that. But first of all, no, I'm going to go watch this movie and I'm going to be, something is going to be promoted to me in this that isn't what I believe in. Mm -hmm. And I just have to be aware of it. Sure. And yeah. I can, yeah. I can identify it and then 
you know, yeah. then it's not having that the same level of influence. The second thing I would say is like going to the movie and watching, you know, a, a new movie that's out, you're getting a secular worldview promoted to you, but very subtly. Mm-hmm. I counteract that with, I want to not subtly make sure I'm getting a healthy dose of biblical worldview every day. Sure. And there's so many different ways to do that. There's resources, you know, how I'm spending my devotional time every day, finding something that's going to, you know, again, not subtly, but, but in a very, you know, just large way, invade my mind with biblical worldview so that I can kind of fight that 90, 10, a little Mm -hmm. bit. And it's, and it's not hard. You don't have to, if you're going to watch eight hours of Netflix, you don't have to watch eight hours of, of a sermon um, because a sermon I think is, is promoting in a large way. Yeah. This is how we view the world. Sure. This is what's true. And Netflix shows are not promoting in a large way. For the most part, I speak very generally. Certainly some of them are, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, out sure. with a, a very evil agenda. But so I think you can counteract that and say, if I'm going to, I just know throughout the day, secular worldview is going to be coming my way. I want to make sure yeah. I've got a nice healthy dose of, yeah. of biblical worldview that I've spent time uh, infiltrating my mind with. Yeah. And, and I think that's huge, huge because, like, I was, we were just discussing this in the youth uh, uh, last week, the importance of re- of understanding biblical worldview versus uh, worldly worldview. Because those, like, kind of how you say, those are the lens through which you see the world and how you interpret the world. And so, if you get that wrong, then everything else you mm-hmm. get wrong. Mm-hmm. So, if you don't have a, a biblical worldview. You're gonna get every every major issue that we face in this world, everything that we struggle in this world. Just how you interpret life on its own, you're gonna get it wrong because you're gonna be based in on things that are outside of the word of God. Which is, you know, again, the importance of understanding as for the parents, understanding the importance of their kids and even us parents too to have biblical worldviews. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think it's important for parents. I mean, with what you're saying about purposeful right biblical worldview teaching and truth Mm -hmm. it's important for parents to recognize you don't have to as a parent apologize or try to sugarcoat that you have a biblical worldview in your home Mm -hmm. right i think sometimes parents and as a parent you know you have to think through this we can be guilty of hearing something that is contrary to what scripture teaches and then trying to find a way to make that palatable for our, our kids to say well, here, here's what the Bible teaches, almost like as though we're apologetic that yeah. the Bible is contrary to culture, right, mm-hmm. or it goes against culture. So as a parent, I think it's important that we're not trying to apologize for having a biblical worldview in our home for our kids, but helping kids to understand and establish in our kids' lives that a biblical worldview is absolutely necessary and essential. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and, and absolutely. And be guilty. And, yeah. and, uh, and it's, it's the better worldview, and it's not even close. Yeah. yeah. Like, and this is what I see so many students wrestling with is on the surface, and again, speaking very generally here, but in a secular worldview, you view yourself as the God. Mm-hmm. You view yourself as yep. the, what needs to be served and The and highest pleased. priority. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yourself. And that on the surface seems like what we would all want. But it the truth is, it's terrible. Yeah. It's attainable. Like, you take that very far down the road and it's absolutely miserable and it that should not come to any surprise to us because you see that in culture everywhere yeah mm-hmm. there's all these people that 
should be happy if secular if a secular worldview worked and they're not and yeah. and the bible presents us with a way to view the world that actually leads us to the best life the yeah. abundant life absolutely mm-hmm. and but you're absolutely right sometimes we feel this tension of like but but it's just because it's the minority versus the majority. You feel yeah. like you have to you, you're sure. trying Apologize. to apologize. Yeah, yeah. You're just like yeah. You can't be as bold about it. But I think if and that's where I feel like if we can help students understand this and in that dichotomy right there of like this feels like it's what's best, but it's actually terrible. Mm. It's actually its own prison. Like when you have to be the final word for everything. And, and what is true always comes back to what do you think. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. That is a prison. You don't want to yeah. live there. Yeah. It is freeing yeah. to, to look at the God of the universe and say, I trust you, and I'm just going to live how you tell me to mm-hmm. live. I don't, have to, I don't have to decide for myself what's going to be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think it's convicting when I – if you read Psalm 119, we've been going through Psalm 119 in our men's study on Thursday nights. It's 176 verses. Of the psalmist exalting the word of God, but he says in in the passage, 170 sometimes he makes reference to the the word of God. But he talks about how I love your law, mm-hmm. I love your rules, mm-hmm. I love your statutes, and we tend to look at the standard of God's word sometimes as as like bothersome. Yeah, I mean, bothersome, that's, that's or, or or like there's like a burden to yeah. the word of God. But the psalmist who knew God and like loved His Word was, was talking about. I love all of your rules, even yeah. mm-hmm. because he knew what what the Word of God produces yeah. in his life, right? Yeah. So I think we have to, you know, as parents, really take a proactive view with our kids of instilling them and teaching them, yeah. contrary to what culture and yeah. even what our human nature, like sinful human nature, tells us. Um, God does always know best. He knows better than we do, but He always knows best. But He also says what he says in his word and gives it to us for our good and his glory. And, and we can sometimes get that all yeah. muddied up when we think about what culture promotes. Yeah, and, so. and I think, I, I do have a question for you, Tom, before I ask it. I do think to, to with this point, I think it's crucial to Jesus' prayer, for, when Jesus is praying for his disciples, his prayer to the Father is like, Father, I'm not asking you to remove them of this world, for they are of this world, yeah. but to protect them. And, 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 you know, and I think that as parents, we have to recognize that if our... If you're a Christian, you know, you are in this world, but you're not of this world. Mm. But at the same time, you have to recognize that this world is indoctrinating our, our is, is attempting to indoctrinate our kids. Sure. It's attempting to teach and direct our kids into how they live their life. And so for us as parents, it's to recognize the importance of not let's teach our students to find their learnings or their, their teaching or to find their direction in life by what the word of God says mm-hmm. so that yeah. they can also engage in a world while not being of the world. Yeah. And you know, we is... don't want to, we don't want to become like seclusive, right? Yeah. right? Like we want them to engage the world, but we want them to do a recognizing that the standards and the morals set by the world are not the ones that we're going to live by. You know? Yeah. And there's nothing new under the sun, right? I mean, like you go all the way back yeah. to the book of Deuteronomy when God's giving instruction about the commands of the Lord and how parents are to teach these to their kids when they rise up in the morning, put them on the doorposts of their home. Yeah. I mean, this, why? Like, why was that needing to be a constant Because it's counterculture. Because they were inundated with, mm-hmm. with the sin and evil that is 
contrary to the ways yeah. of God, and yeah. they wanted their children to have this instilled in them. Yeah. Well, we need to do the same yeah. thing. Interestingly enough, a lot of, uh, like David Kinnaman, who's the president of Barna, they're talking a lot, using this language about what we're experiencing now to like when the nation of Israel was taken captive in Babylon. Mm. And because it, in a lot of ways, you know, here's this nation of Israel that's now in a place where they are surrounded by people who believe differently than them and who are actively trying to make them believe differently. Sure, and they're yeah. saying that's, there's so much similarity to where we're at yeah. right now. Yep. In Interesting. That, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're really, as the country goes mo- more post-Christian, we are going to be just this small group left who are going to have to, yeah. you know, really be intentional about for sure. yeah. holding on to our beliefs. Is it Larry Osborne, not, not Larry Osborne, who wrote The Thriving in Babylon? Yes. Yep. Larry Osborne? Yeah, that's a great book that mm-hmm. hints to that. Yep, like, Thriving in thrive Babylon. in a nation and our culture similar to the one in Babylon. Yep, yep. Uh, but Tommy, in your experience, you know, camp director, and, you know, you mentioned earlier that you get about 6,000 campers a year, and I'm sure you get numerous of testimonies from those students that come and share, or maybe parents or youth pastors and leaders. My question is, like, in our current culture, we will say that it is the most, the most connected generation to ever live. They, when you think about their phone, they had access to anything. But nonetheless, because of their reliance on digital stuff, we would also say that they are the most disconnected generation. So why should a parent prioritize or desire to make sure that their kids are engaging in extracurricular things? like camp, mission trips, maybe small group at a church, things that will force them to get out and build relationship with the actual individuals in face-to-face scenarios? This is a, this is a great question, and it's, it's something that Gen Z is facing in a large way. Is this, they are. They're the most connected generation, but they're the loneliest generation. And it, it shouldn't be possible that those two things can mm. be true. Uh, but that's the case because they have a lot of very shallow relationships and very few deep ones, uh, fewer than any other generation has ever had. And it's almost hard for you and I to understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there's a big difference in, in how we think and view the world. And so we hear that and it's just like hard to comprehend how few deep relationships they have. I'll say uh, just generally speaking, I think if the church, if we as the church can help Generation Z live in biblical community, as is prescribed in the New Testament, we will help Gen Z with so many of the other things that they're facing. Mm. Loneliness is a big part of what they're facing. If we can help them live in community, then that starts to fade away. Mental health is another huge thing for Gen Z. Uh, they're the Gen Z is the biggest advocate for mental health, but tragically it's because it's, it's ravaging their generation. Hmm. I mean, um, suicide's the second leading cause of death for Gen Z. Hmm. So hmm. they're rising up and saying, we need to care more about mental health. And I'm, it's like, what does the Bible have to say about that? Well, and again, very generally speaking, it prescribes this model all over the new Testament for, Live in community with each mm. other. Bear each other's burdens. Confess sin to one, to one another. It gives you this picture that you are living a life side by side with somebody and there's nothing's hidden. You know, mm. like we, we're, we're living in this just full transparency with each other because that's 
how we help each other the best, yeah. which interestingly enough goes against a lot of the cultural norms right now. Yeah, isolation's yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah. right. In yeah. The culture yeah. today. Yeah, back to the idea of self care. It's good for you to seclude yourself care for yourself yeah meet your needs have time on so your own. i think if we can do that and here's where i wrestle with it is like i'm not sure the best way to teach it i think the best way to teach it would be to model it it's a weird thing to model though mm-hmm. because the relationship that you and i have in biblical community mm-hmm. the confession of sin to each other uh, and the you know bearing of burdens happens in private sure mm-hmm. we don't get up on sunday morning and say like okay now we're going to demonstrate yeah. you know <laughs> and so how do you how do you model that yeah. for gen z uh, to be honest i'm not totally sure there's got to be a way um there's got to be a way to help them get a glimpse of what that looks like i know one of the things that i try to do is when i'm in front of gen z i try to talk about the, the community that i'm a part of I talk about things that happen in that community. I talk about, without saying, here's the sins that I confessed, I talk about the fact that inside of that community, there's the confession of sin Mm -hmm, and how freeing that is and that I have a group of people that have unlimited access to my life that could ask me about anything at any time, and I'm going to give them an honest answer Mm -hmm. that can open up my, say, let me look at your emojis, you know, like, uh, you know, let me look at your phone. What's going on? And and even more specific than that, I would say, I want you to say to me, hey, you said this to so-and-so earlier, and that was kind of weird. What's going on with that? You know, like trying to bring that to the surface. Sure. Yeah. In in an appropriate way. And like I said, I'm still trying to figure that out, but I think that's, I think that would be something that if we could do that for Gen Z, we're going to help them with all these other, you know, the kind of issues that spring up, they're, they're taken care of inside of biblical community. Yeah. Good. You mentioned something that, that this is a side note, but I think, I don't know, I don't know if we shared this last week. I think we, we talked about it after we were done with the podcast, but the, 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 the trick as a parent, this is a great trick, practical trick to know what your students are talking. Get on their phones. If they have an iPhone, this will be the case. Get on their phone. Go on their uh, group chat or chat, open whichever chat, and then click on the emoji section and see their frequently used emojis. That gives you an idea of their lingo, what they're talking about. Yeah. Because that yeah. cannot get deleted. Right, so, right. They can, you can see everything. That's fine. Yeah. But, yeah, that's that community is so important. And, like, we see it here and like like – I see it here when we meet our, with the students. Like students are being are growing up to not being socially aware. Like social awareness is slowly dimming away because they're just used to being alone. And then you put them in a room with other people, and for the most part, they feel like, you know, they feel like uh, like they're in a room with lions. Like they're they're a lamb, and all the lions are around them trying to devour them. And that shouldn't be the case. Yep. We should be comfortable in being with people. We should want to be with people. And so, so yeah, it's good. I think those are good insights. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, that. I think definitely. it's beneficial to hear. And um, I hope you know parents listening, you know, feel it was beneficial as well. I mean, it's it's good to have these kind of discussions. And mm-hmm. there's a lot more we could talk about. We are, I think, out of time though. Like, yeah, we've gone we've gone quite a while. Um, Tommy, you're welcome back anytime, man. Oh, uh, well, I, I appreciate beyond the, offer, the pew. Uh, yeah, would love to have you back. <laughs> Do you know um, the question we ended with? Uh, how's your life? How are you living life beyond the pew? Yeah. Wow. wow. First so, try. Yes. You're better than Steve. <laughs> yeah. Steve didn't know. Jeff didn't wow. know. Wow. No. Tommy comes know. here. Um, anytime you want to come back, because Eric is like a different, he's like I a am, different I am. character. I'm behave. Um, I'm behave. You know, 
poised. Yeah, very uh, poised, very formal. Yeah, very formal. It's great. So next but, week um, I'm back to myself. Yes. Uh, for people listening, three three zero three three one six four five three is the number. If you have questions to text in, anything parenting wise, um, questions in general yeah. about the Bible, we try to tackle those. Uh, yeah. We'll be back next week again. Again, it will not be on the the scope of parenting. Parenting. This We're done it. with that. We will encourage you, Unless though, we have questions. Unless we have and questions, then we'll address them. And if you have questions for Tommy, you can still submit them, and we will send it to him, yes. and then maybe he'll send in a text. With it. Maybe we'll FaceTime or something. Absolutely. We'll figure something it out. Digital. We're connected. Something through the digital <laughs> age. Yeah, because we're connected. Yes, we're connected all we're the time. We're not connected. That's great. Yeah. So <laughs> we appreciate everybody listening. Yeah. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye-bye.